It was all a pipe dream Watching body boarding up on TV Deep at reef, watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah, we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe, buying Riptide Welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 37 of our Verbal Journaling, and I'm your host, Luke O'Connor. Well, a very special guest today, ladies and gents. We have an international guest hailing all the way from Chile, uh, recently moved up into the mountains from the coastline um, just for, you know, a bit of a mix-up with her partner and family. Um, She's the head of commentary for the IBC. She has... um, hosted many a podcast with many a famous bodyboarders over the last, um, you know, five or so years. It's been incredible to watch her journey. She also brings a lot of, um, you know, bilingual elements to the broadcast as she can speak numerous languages and really captures the audience with um, a lot of detailed analysis through those different um, versions of of language and that and that's a really cool thing to see um as we're moving forward and trying to build this great sport back up to where it needs to be i'm talking to none other than vega martinez how are you thank you very much luke i'm pretty fine thank you for that introduction man you well i got a little bit excited <laughs> for me, uh, a bit emotional and all <laughs> Well, it's so good to hear all your achievements and accolades, um, you know, being spat back at you because, you know, really, when you go back over your illustrious career and especially in the last um, three or four years being the head of the IBC commentary, you know, people are really starting to get an idea of your story and what you're about and how much passion and um, enthusiasm you put into the sport of bodyboarding. So, so it's so good to have you on um, the Riptide podcast, Luke's Lounge, and I can't wait to get into the conversation. It's my, it's a pleasure uh, and honor for me. Thanks a lot for having me. That's cool. That's cool. So um, I was just only mentioning in the uh, introduction, you've recently moved to a more mountainous area of Chile. Can you, can you give us a rundown on that and why you guys moved? Well, it was uh, an opportunity. I think everything, I mean, when things have to happen, uh, they just do. And we, I mean, we had a, I've been very happy living in, in Iquique for 10 years. The ways are amazing and so crazy consistent. And But, yeah, I, we bought a, a land with a house here uh, a few years ago. And um, we have to – we were renting in Iquique and the owner asked for the apartment. So it was just a um, – we said, you know what, this is the moment. So we came to live here and it's been great. It's a full change of life. It's uh, full of woods and surrounded by nature. We don't have any power or water. We have to like buy our water. And today we just installed um, solar panels. So we're so happy. This is the first time I'm using electricity from, you know, um clean clean energy i would say so um i'm pretty happy today <laughs> and oh, sorry, it's, uh, hang, on, hang on a second can, can i just interrupt you um Bergana? you're saying that right now we're holding this conversation via your wi-fi and your computer being um charged by solar solar power yeah yeah <laughs> is so this is the best <laughs> That's amazing because, you know, most of the times we have, um, not most of the times, but some of the times on this podcast we have technical difficulties because of, you know, issues with connection and power and technology, but you're off the grid gaining your own power from the sun and you're you're now holding a, you know, perfectly fine conversation online with that. That's 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 so cool. It's pretty much a sign of the times, isn't it? That, that technology is just coming along in leaps and bounds. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're so proud to achieve this because it's it's not just that, you know, it's it's clean, it's not I mean, I won't say it's free because it it's a little bit expensive the whole procedure, but uh, it's worth it. And I it, I mean, if you have a chance to do it sometime, you definitely have to try it. So yeah, we are pretty happy today. We have been living here for a month and a half using the generator, I mean, the power generator for like I I'm, I'm I mean, we don't really use it all the time. We kind of like uh, some some nights we don't even start it. So 
it's been great. It's been I've been cooking like with gas and using candles and flashlights and it's not it's not a hippie life or anything because that's the least I am. <laughs> but it's um it's a pretty fulfilling uh, uh life I will say and and it's totally different what I have been doing for the previous uh ten years but. I think it it has a reason, so yeah. And of course, I know I'm going to be leaving for the tour soon, so I guess <laughs> that's something that keeps me happy as well. Because, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been great. Yeah, well, that's amazing to be able to leave for the tour. I go on, you know, your international adventures wherever the calendar events may take you in 2023 I've actually got the schedule here in front of me so I'd love to chat about that a little bit further on but you know how cool is it to be able to have a little segment of paradise to your own when you when you come back off to uh you get a little bit of downtime and you can just zen out no distractions and you know even I'd imagine even um in a Kike obviously there's incredible waves and everyone knows about that that miracle stretch there with you know just all the different reefs and um lefts, rights, you know, bowls, barrels. It's a very blessed area of the world. But to have that change in your life and to have a almost as, you know, change as good as a holiday, I think it's I think that's really cool. And, you know, it's it's great to be able to live in different locations and not just um, you know, <laughs> locked down in the one area. I'm a bit of a hobbit here in the Shire. Like I haven't really ever left the Shire. I've gone travelling around the world, but I've always had <laughs> a residency here. So it's great to um see you're getting out and about and I'm still in my little hobbit hole. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, surfing, it's a need, you know, we, we definitely need it. And there's some waves around here, though, this area, uh, it's more known for surfing waves, for stand-up. But still, I mean, I, what it's uh, coming, uh, I mean, what it's, uh, ama- it's has been amazing, it amazed me. I, I'm sorry, man, <laughs> I got stuck on that one. Oh, but Madonna, has... please don't apologize. I, I, I want to touch <laughs> later on about how quickly you switch between English and Spanish and, and everything else that you're you're saying on the podcast. Like I can't understand half of it, but I can tell that everyone else is getting <laughs> a real good kick out of it. You know, so please do not apologize. Okay, well, I wanted to say that uh, what it's um, calling my attention now, it's that I'm trying to surf in a different wave. The waves that I'm surfing are a little bit... Um, slower i would say or maybe not too uh too too powerful but still there are good waves wave a wave is a wave you know so it's uh it's it's challenging to kind of like change your mindset and you know seize this wave and learn how to they're longer waves so it's a it's a totally different um surfing you have to uh just you know, try to perform different maneuvers, uh, work in your fluency. It, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's been challenging and also, um, and also nice because it it has uh, shown me a different way to surf. And I think um, I'm also trying drop knee, which I I did when I, I'm I'm actually from Venezuela. And in Venezuela, the waves are not too uh, frequent because we don't have any swells. It's only a uh, it's a seasonal well, thing, you know, it's only during a uh, certain month of the year that we have some waves. And when we have, uh, I mean, tornadoes or or storms, we get those wells. But yeah, I mean, I, I started surfing with like experiences as like going to surf and not finding a single wave, you know, like flat, completely flat for like three months in a row. And that's why I decided, you know, I, I, I started bodyboarding very old, I would say, because I started 24 when I was 24. That's crazy. That's crazy old. And then that I just got obsessed. Bodyboarding, yeah. yeah. Or for any sport, super. really. Like it's, yeah, that's crazy. You actually picked it up at that age. A, a lot of people are kind of almost set in their ways by then, and it's not like they um, gravitate in, in anything new. So hats off to you because, like, I'm not saying you're – you know, the old saying is you can't teach an old dog new tricks and obviously 24 is not that old, but yeah, the muscle memory and everything from the younger years of, of you being an adolescent usually lend itself to a certain sport. For you to jump in at 24, that's, um, yeah, gnarly. Yeah, it was crazy. I just got, actually, I was a study, uh, I'm a lawyer, actually. 
I was in in university and and I was about to quit. I mean, I had like what my last year, and I was so obsessed with bodyboard that I said, "Oh, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is what I really want to do all my life." And I have lost so much time, and everyone has been surfing already for like ten years, and there's so much for me to learn that I don't want to do anything else. And then I had like a friend, my my dad also. He was like, "No, you need to." freaking graduate just finish the, the you know the university and get that degree so I did it but I kind of like worked only a year and then I left the country and then I lived in Panama for five years I was all always seeking ways and and consistency as well so Panama had more waves but I have to live in the city and I have to travel every weekend like drive eight hours in the Friday night and come back in Sunday night just to get the best, uh, the better waves. And that also got me to, I was all the time like seeking and trying to improve and get better and get more waves. And then I said, okay, I'm moving to Boca del Toro. And I lived there for three years and there had also, I mean, all these things had, I mean, they were, uh, cop- I mean, cooperating or or helping my level to to boost, I guess, and and then that was there was a point that Boca del Toro wasn't enough, you know, because it was not too consistent. Also, because it's like Hawaii season, the same, you know, it's uh for um it starts like in November and then it's around March or something, and yeah, then it's yeah, like- kind of half the year waves, half the year not. Right. And then I said, and then I had this opportunity to work. My my husband, I met him because he was um, the representative of, uh, of Tur- Turbo. Remember Turbo Bodyboard? Yeah, oh, for sure. I only just held a, a podcast with Andrew Lester two or three days ago now, and um, he gave us a full rundown on Turbo and his time there and obviously the, the rise and fall of one of the kind of the biggest and flashiest um, brands to ever Tevacon encapsulate bodyboarding. So yeah, so he was he was the manager for South America. Well, yeah, he was a rep for South America, and he contacted me and my friend, the one that helps the event in Bocas del Toro right now. The the event that has been the invitational event in Bocas. Uh, we yep. were living there. We had, I mean, we were like national national champions because the there were only a few bodyboarders. So I was like uh, two times national champ and it was so weird because he Googled it. Like he wanted to sell Turbo in Panama. So he Googled, he said like, okay, the best way is to sponsor someone. And he Googled who were like the champions and uh, got our names and contact us over Facebook. And I thought he was scamming, you know, like it was, uh, you know, it was something false or something you know and I was like I don't even reply to him and my friend did and we had this meeting and then we met and we started work and that's how I got in contact with him and that we were only working for like two years and a half working and I was selling so you guys were working was, at Turbo he was he was sending the boards to Panama and I was taking care of the numbers and my friend he's a graphic designer so he was doing some he will be doing all the media and the you know the graphic design and he I was using the milkshakes boards and he will be using the turbos. And oh, I remember milkshakes so much. Was milkshake yeah. was the French thing, wasn't it? No, milk milkshakes was the women line for turbo. Milk was oh. the French boards. Yeah. Oh, that's milkshakes. what I'm getting mixed up. Okay. Yep. Yep. Milkshakes, uh, actually, Lily, she was kind of like the head, Lily Pollard. She was kind of like the head of, of Milkshakes, all the designs and, and colorways and many things involved with the boards came from her. It was pretty cool. And then Valentina Diaz also rode uh, with them and a few other girls. It was a, it was a girl's uh, line within Turbo, pretty interesting. 
Yeah, and that is that was, pretty cool. I, I had never um, made the connection of milkshakes back to turbo, but I guess that's been me being naive and not really knowing industry knowledge there. So you were writing for milkshakes at the time whilst also distributing the boards. And then how did it evolve from there? And, and how did you end up marrying your partner? And what's your partner's name, what? by the way? We should really mention. <laughs> His name is Jorge, like George, but in Spanish, George is Jorge. <laughs> Jorge. Jorge. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I'm getting better with the pronunciation as, 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 as more as this conversation continues on. I, I, I hope to pick up more. <laughs> well, he's, um, he's also known, he has a nickname forever. He's also known as Yubi. Like, you know, like Yubi is, it's a long story, but yeah, everyone knows him as Yubi. And yeah, he, um, so he has been representing bodyboard brands forever. He has a distribution, um, like a, that company that distributes, uh, and he created Erizos. Erizos is his uh, his creation, and I've been working in the brand for yeah since I met him, since I came to live in Chile. So, to just to finish the story, we start um, working, as I said, and we were be we found ourselves talking a lot, like not only about the business, but like about bodyboarding and how's Chile and how's Panama blah 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 and that's how you know that sometimes how you fall in love because it, you get to know the person so well without even seeing this person you know life and that happened to us we fall in love without even, even uh, see each other you know but like in, in real life just through amazing psyche, so that's how the and, and, and another amazing internal industry bodyboarding relationships been spawned. You know, there's been so many of them over the yeah. over the years. Yeah. You know, I only spoke to um, Matt Curley and Ayaka Suzuki uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that podcast will be coming out quite soon. Um, obviously, before this one, and yeah, like you know, they're just one other prime example. Even like um, uh, Joanna Schenker's partner, I always forget his name. Which they're, they're obviously. Yeah, Chico, that's it. They're they're an amazing bodyboarding couple too, and you can just see, um, you know, their love for the Natasha sport. Much like... and Jared. Yes, Natasha and... and Jared. Boom, exactly. Now they've just had their <laughs> second child over in Puerto Rico, and they're happily continuing on their way. So, yeah, it's it's crazy to see that the love and passion of bodyboarding is is bringing people together. I mean, it's the best thing that can happen to you. I believe, I don't know, there's so many opinions about what's good for a relationship. But my take is, I think you have to have things in common and the more the better. That's the way I see it. I love to, you know, do everything together and it's not boring at all. We work together, we serve together, we have a lot of plans together and it's great man it's a partner and it's i think for me for my point of view that's what partner means so it's it's been great so we 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 said like finally we said like okay we need to uh we need to know each other it's it's weird i kind of like love you you know i want to meet you and we said okay let's set um a middle like a place in the middle so we uh encounter in in peru in lima where they're, beautiful they're, so, and, and can i just stop you there beggar i'm just thinking to myself you know online um love and whatever this is well before um online dating sites or stuff you guys were the full prototype at the start you know what i mean like how, how long were you guys <laughs> how long were you guys chatting online digitally for and falling in love before you actually physically met dude it, this is so weird because you actually nailed it we started in do you remember those blackberry blackberry you know yeah yeah you wanted really small keys and it was hard to type messages on but they were like almost right. like a keyboard <laughs> and they will take like ages to send a picture so that's oh how man i thought i was talk. i thought i was just an idiot i'm like have i just got the fattest fingers in the world i cannot fucking type a message on these to save my life my dad had one for work and I'm like, man, we need to get voice activated message or something because like I, I'm gonna get arthritis in my fingers with these fucking these little um buttons. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go on. So yeah, yeah. And so well, we were we were chatting over that thing. Oh, look at this. I'm watching a house coming in a truck, and this is like the only house 
<laughs> this place is like empty and there's one truck coming with a house on it. <laughs> what, it's this going past... A... Going past your house right now. Someone's bringing a tiny. Yeah, I think there. you're gonna. Yeah, yeah, I think you're gonna hear it. It's. Uh, I see it from far away, but it will. It will pass by. Anyways, <laughs> uh, getting back to that. Yeah. So um, we. Oh then we were, Oh yeah, we were chatting over BlackBerry, and then Skype came. You know, and it was like Skypey. Remember, it was like the best thing yeah. ever. We were doing video calls, and. I mean, those things, those calls would last for like five hours, man. It was crazy every day. Like we were crazy Bego, in that moment. What were you doing for five hours on a Skype call? You know, <laughs> <laughs> what was going on for five hours. Can you give us some inside details there, mate? <laughs> Dude, it's it's what it is. You know, when you when you are with your soulmate, you there's no silence. There's only connection. So it it just. You know, it's all you will always want to be with this person, and there's so much to talk, and there's so many things to say, and it's crazy, man. And we were doing that for two years and a half. <laughs> That's so cool. That's actually probably a really good way to start a relationship because you don't just dive in from the physical or sexual attraction, you build right. up such a almost like an encyclopedia on them before you, before you dive in. Exactly, man. Like, usually you like someone because of the physical, you know, appearance, and then. You start to know this person, so and so sometimes you don't even like what this person is, you know. But this is the opposite. So it was, it was meant to be, you know. It was a total success. So from the minute we saw each other, we never split up. It that was um, and you yeah. never gone back, never looked back. No, we that was first uh, uh, of June of two thousand and twelve, and then I actually I was living in Panama, and we met in. We met in Lima, surfed there for a while. And then he said, like, do you want to go to Iquique? I was just going for like 20 days. And I said, like, let's do it. We took a bus and it was like 25 hours ride. And we, I met Iquique and I said, like, what the hell is this place, man? This is bodyboarding. Like, it was a full-on video, man. Like, you wouldn't believe it. It was like being inside a movie every time you go to, you went to surf. Because there's like 2,000 bodyboarders there. Everyone serves really good. Everyone has a style. The waves are freaking perfect. It's a slap city. It's full of bodyboarding waves. And and like 12 kilometers, you have like 24 spots to surf. It's crazy, man. And I said, like, what is this place? Like, this is really where you are from? And he's like, yeah. And I'm saying, like, fuck, you are, you are the one. <laughs> <laughs> you wrap your arms around and never look back man I, I i don't blame you you know everyone that's gone to um a kike and and they come back and just say like you know how can you get so many good waves in one little area you know all that volcanic activity there on the coast of chile like it's it's been an absolute blessing and it's one of the only places in the world that i've been told that bodyboarders reign supreme over surfers which is so cool to see because the waves are just catering to what bodyboarding is all about Oh yeah, man! You there are there are a few good surfers, and also uh, there are a few. Uh, right now, there's two sisters that are very young and they're very talented. But still, you know, the you don't really see when like Intendencia or you know Punta Dos or many of the other waves are pumping and they're perfect barreling. Here's the container. <laughs> um, you don't really <laughs> see that. surfers. You can hear it. Yeah, only just, only just. Oh, and uh, yeah, the place is uh, shaped for bodyboard. It's amazing. It's uh, so it was it was just great. So actually, I owe everything I have to Chile and everything. I guess I am right now in uh, in terms of commentator and all that because I started. I I actually have a degree on also on. Something that is called PCO, which is Professional Conference Organizer. And I studied in in Switzerland. Actually, I worked for a company, and they sent me there to certify. Is and that I much was, like say, event management, where you'll be managing yeah. large scale events and taking on all the different scheduling and all the different ordering and contract contractor um, obligations? Yeah, it, it's a project manager for everything that it's related to events. And I was actually so doing like bodyboarding, perfect for the world tour. Yeah, and it was really weird because I 
I was just working on whatever I could do there, you know, because I was like illegal and I was in Erizos was starting. So we were like in a very humble moment. We didn't have any money or anything. And so I was just having any jobs here and there. And then this this person, uh, I mean, the, I, I heard that there is an ISA uh, event that's going to happen. And my husband speaks to the to the people in charge and say, hey, you know what? She's a professional in, confer- in, in organizing conferences and she worked in medical congresses and stuff and she has a lot of experience. So what do you say? Like, maybe you can work with her and she's fluent in English and all the ISA uh, officials are from California. So they all speak English and they, in Iquique, the, the people that was in charge were not, I mean, fluent at all in, in English and, so that's how they hired me, and I started to work as a coordinator for the I, I, ISA event, and it was a world and uh, what year was that? event. Okay, sorry. That was 2014. Wow, wow. So it's going to come up to pretty much almost 10 years if you've been involved in, you know, world organizations that have been governing the bodyboarding world. Yeah, yeah, almost there. And so cool. There, this guy, one of the guys that were working there, he said, like, you know what? I see something in you. And I'm like, what? Because he was a beach announcer. You know, those guys that speak, that says, like, the, um, the points and the situation and all that. Yep. So he was the official, one of the official beach announcers for the ISA. And he said, like, you has you have to try to be a commentator. And I'm like, Dude, are you out of your head? Like, I've never done that. He's like, no. I am going to put you in the commentary booth. And I was like, really? And they had Spanish and English, you know, because it, it's mandatory. So they had two different uh, streamings and they put me in Spanish. And I was just, you know, commentating in Spanish, pretty easy, pretty normal. And then there was like a moment who, not, like, they were like, uh, changing, I mean, for doing interviews, but the interviews have to be done in English. And I did one interview and the person in charge saw me, like Liam Ferguson. He's a guy that worked for the ISA for a long time. He's a surfer, like a big name in California. And he's like, okay, this girl is a natural. I want her doing all the interviews. And I'm like, dude, what? I was like, really? And that's how it all started, man. It was... Uh, it, I didn't even think that I was going to be doing this. And then the 2015, we had the same event again in Iquique in the same wave, everything. And I worked as an official commentator and an interviewer. And that year, actually 14th, I worked for the first time in Arica and I competed as well. And I worked in Antofagasta. And from there, man, everything just, you know, the balls started rolling you know it was crazy everyone started to call me like can you do the nationals can you do this I worked for surfing as well worked for this OVSL as well and I said damn this is uh I love this thing you know I really want to do this like I want to be an official but it was hard you know because you're not a native you know I I I don't know they want some people is really mean with this. You know, they want they want this person that speaks perfect English and and it's or that it's a native. Not even that. Not even the speaks perfect. It's just that they want a native speaker. You know, as so in that, native that, into the area in which the comp was being held. As in, are you saying you caught backlash? No, no, areas? I'm saying no, no. Meaning commentating in English because I'm not from an English speaking country. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like some people would say that they want to hear a English native speaker, you know. And who said that though? Like, and what? At what cost? It doesn't matter. At, what, at, I, that that happened at some point, and that was the reason that although that was the excuse I will get from some uh, people in charge, no matter who, that that was why I couldn't get the chance to work more because I keep requesting like guys um I only hear good things about the job and everyone's liking it so how about you give me the chance to be commentating a little bit more because they will always put me as an interviewer and I 
didn't want to be an interviewer. I knew I had a, I have some, I have more to say, you know, and more and better things to do. Because I mean, interviewing is great, you know, but it's um, it's a pre, not basic. Right now, I'm actually changing that. Uh, right, uh, we in the in the in the IBC, we are changing that by using the same commentators. I mean, in their breaks and doing the for them to do the interviews because that so the commentator that's uh, coming out of that heat will rest like he will do two hits in a row and on road and he will rest but first he have to do the interview and that's pretty good because he's coming from the action you know he's coming in hot he just saw everything he has the the perfect feeling of what happened in that heat and the questions he will be asking to the winner will be the accurate ones you know but yeah, yeah, the, uh, back sure, in Involved. Back in the day, it would be like an extra person that the organizers from the from the event will put there, you know, because it's also, you know, there are uh, many things to consider when you hire people, you know, there's budgets and you cannot, you know, hire them. Most of the time they, they hire a local person and it's fine that usually they want to do a good job and they want to do great but it's uh it's very important for me that there is that thread you know between what happened in the heat and what the interview is going to be about so yeah, yeah sure. but that... I don't want to interview just asking questions that ha- haven't related back to the to the action in the water at all so you know speaking about the IBC and obviously speaking about the the structure and you just touched on then with the staffing regime what does the 2023 year look like for you Bego? and um you know i know the women starting off in um espirito santo in brazil with the wahini Excelo pro um and then you guys go the the men's and the women and the pro juniors um kick off the year together um in chile what's um what's the changes for this year and and what's the structure like for the IBC because we always wonder how um internally you know this uh this organization of the since an inception when, when was the IBC developed was it in 2018 19 yeah yeah that was uh it started in 19 before the uh pandemic actually no yep. it was starting since 18 but um then the pandemic came and uh, you know we have that recess but we all kept uh, working and it's a, and we had the chance to prove it last year only and it was great and we also had i mean we had the Sintra and Fronton as world cups only in 2021 those were the only events but we didn't crown any any champions for women or men and yeah so basically we started on 2022 but yeah, this year, well, this year is looking pretty solid. Um, we are repeating the South American leg, which is five events and two events in Brazil and three in Chile, where we still, uh, Iquique is, is still to be confirmed there, but it's, um, it's uh, I, I, I think pretty soon it's going to be, uh, th- that's going to be said. But yeah, we're repeating the South American leg. That was a total success last year. It was great. And then we are going to those two events in Hawaii, which are covering two of the major divisions. I think those divisions are very important. One of the things that the IBC did last year was pushing very strong for the pro juniors, not only for the men, but also for the women. It's the first time in the bodyboarding history that a private or yeah, private world tour has this division, the pro junior woman. And so in Hawaii, we'll be having that event for the pro junior and the event for Dromney. Also, I don't know if you saw last year um, testimonials for from um, Dave Hover, but he said it's pre- pretty much it was the best tour he has done in Dromney in his career. So wow, he said... Cool. Yeah, he said that in in I mean when, when he became world champ and in Fronton, I'm sorry in in Sintra, and yeah, it uh, we are focusing on bringing back all those things and of course pushing 
the grassroots, right? And so, yeah, we have those events in, in uh, Hawaii. Then we are going back to the Maldives. The Maldives was a total success. You have no idea how good these people work, how great the event was. The venue is amazing. The place is really, really um, diamond, I will say. And the, everything, everything involved was so good. So this year it's confirmed. And also another achievement was uh, South Africa last year, which was the Walker yeah, Bay Crawl. That was an amazing event. I didn't have the chance to go, but uh, kudos to Dion Mayer, one of my, my fellow co um, commentators, and he was the organizer. He did a great job, and the event was um, – full of surprises and it was great so this year is happening again and this year we'll be having friends which is a very important one that was meant to happen last year but it couldn't because of the fires remember there was like a huge fire yep and they had to uh, uh they had to cancel it but that was that's going to be huge for the juniors and they in france they have a huge uh community of juniors these are so good i know i don't know if you have the chance to see those kids but they're amazing this kid luca saninotto oh my god it's like pierre himself he said this kid is even better than him as his age he's really really talented and yeah, there's wow. a few surfing the same waves as Pierre. Like I spent a bit of time in France bodyboarding and surfing and, you know, as he situated himself at La Graviere and all the different like um, various waves around there, the beach breaks, is he completely dominating them? Yeah. He's not from the same area. He's uh, from Arcachon, which is where the, the event is going to be. He's a, uh, he and the rest of the kids is a, a very strong group of kids, uh, uh, they're managed by the organizer of the event, which is Nico Padua from Ocean Roots. Uh, and it's a a club. And so this year we are having that event that we are really looking forward for that one. And uh, the classics, of course. And uh, we are going to be adding Morocco, man. Morocco, it's, um, I have, you have no idea how excited I am for that one because Everything I heard about that place is good. You know, the food is amazing. It's very cheap. It's beautiful. The waves are very good. There's waves all around Morocco. And, you know, Brahim Idush, is, he's a great person. He has a lot of influence there. Everyone loves him. And I know the IBC is working very hard uh, for, for for pushing the Moroccan bodyboarding. Also, the Moroccan body the bodyboarders there are very good, man. I for sure. Yeah, we um, spent a little bit of time there for, I think it was 14 days. Me and my wife drove from the top of the Netherlands into over uh, down through Europe and into Africa, and we spent a fair bit of time in, in, in Morocco. And um, it is a beautiful place, and there are some amazing ways. And it is quite unusual um not unusual, but, you know, it is so cool to see that Ibrahim does have the backing from the king because a lot of people in Morocco will never leave Morocco. Um, they can't get a visa or a passport out of there. So to see a world-class athlete being backed by the government there and then allowing bodyboarding to be brought to that nation, um, it's definitely a step in the right direction. They, they get, you know, so many uninterrupted swells. They've got long line point breaks and, you know, some of the heaviest um, – beaches going around and and there are a couple of reefs there too that um, are fickle but obviously you know do light up at the the, the time so yeah that's when I saw that on the 2023 IBC calendar I was I was stoked yeah no that's going to be definitely one that you don't want to miss and of course we're closing with Fronton which is you know uh, such a great event and I think the tour is very complete this year so that's uh that's what's shaping for the 2023 season and as Perfect. for your question of, about how the IBC is structured, uh, we have a CEO, which is a world tour director. That's Glenn Cuevas. He's from Chile. Uh, we have a technical director. It's uh, Francisco Garritano, also known as Chico. He's from Brazil. Uh, we have a communication and media manager, which is Danny Hernandez from Canary Islands. Uh, me as a webcast coordinator. We have a community manager from Portugal who is Fabio Mota, content creator, which is uh, Jimmy Baum from Chile as well. 
graphic designer is Nico Bourbois from uh, ATM Agency. He's from France. And webmaster Kevin Cotter, he's from South Africa, but he lives in U the UK. Social yeah. project uh, managers is uh, Arturo Soto and Claudio Alquinta from Chile. And the IBC legal team, which is Sebastian Sanchez and Nico Carvajal from Chile as well. So we have a pretty um, solid yeah. team from all over. I mean, not all over the world, but many nationalities. And of course, there's a lot of people that cooperate and, and, and the IBC works alongside with the athletes. And and yeah, it's a... Uh, I think it's um it's a very good group of people and we're trying with all our hearts to do the best for bodyboarding and we just hope you guys like it. <laughs> yeah, oh you guys are doing a fantastic job. You know, I definitely want to take my hats off to you guys because you know, there's always going to be good and bad press flying around. I know a couple of media organizations here in Australia have mentioned certain things over the last 6 months to a year in regards to you know, judging or locations or, or certain things, but we really need to kind of put those arguments to bed and realise that we're building from the ground up again. We had a huge break during COVID. Our sport doesn't need any snarly propagandised comments that just want to be used for clickbait and for views. We actually want to get to, you know, the bottom of this structure and continually keep building it upwards towards the sky. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's fruitless and pointless really to continue on with negativity when, um, you know, you, you, as you just said, you had um, drop knee champion Dave Hubbard speak about how good the tour was last year. And, you know, we had Tristan Roberts on the podcast and he spoke about, you know, the intensity um, of the, of the tour this year, of last year, sorry. And, and, you know, crowning of the champions at Grand Canaria and how amazing that is. It's like a cauldron of competition and just so many um, positive things to focus on. The only thing I, I, I want to pose to you, Regina, and I just want to, you know, again, in the, the, the most lighthearted fashion um, that I can, when are we going to see an event in Australia? Because we're crossing our fingers and we're crossing our toes. We want you guys to come over. We want to have, um, we, we want to have the world stage back in Australia for a couple of weeks at least. Can we, Drew, do you think oh, we yeah. might be able to see that coming? <laughs> Man, I can tell you uh, with an open heart that everyone at the IBC, it's completely open to any 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 country or any nation that would like to hold an event. Especially Australia, we we love Australians. Uh, we are all familiar with the golden era of of Aussie bodyboarders, and we all we have a lot of respect for Australia, and I think everyone in the world. So it will be amazing. It's just I um. I'm guessing, uh, so if you're listening and you want to hold an event, go, go um, just contact the IBC because we are waiting for that. Is it, I, I will say. No, no, sorry, you got it. Let interrupt. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I was saying that it's basically, it's, because um, if I can say something, this is coming for, from me, not, representing the IBC or anything it's just a, an advice I will say as a as a person I would recommend you guys to step forward you know and and, and just do make a proposal because I mean it's not like I mean the IBC is not like can come to a country and do an event out of the blue you know it has to be someone from the country that to a proposal because you guys are from What's there and you have a connection we're going to though, so you know, obviously, come in the proposal, but just to appease the IBC's um, hierarchy at the moment, you know, and, and obviously working with the grassroots community here in Australia and making sure that we um, are including, you know, adequate stakeholders that are obviously going to put money back into the sport, and we, we want those brands and, and those identities to be well represented, also. Like, how do you? envision a proposal being handed over like you know what's the best way to go about it because we're kind of scratching our head a little bit here in australia trying to um you know just trying to get everything going again so any in any help would be um well welcomed well i tell you this uh you guys have the first thing you have to do is put yourself in contact with the with glenn cuevas which is our ceo he has all the tools he will definitely help you he has been doing it he did it with Maldives. He had, I mean, 
the IBC has worked in so many countries. I mean, Peru last year was another novelty as well. Though I mean, we had had events, bodyboarding events in Peru before, but last year we had two for juniors. And so the IBC has been working with Chile, Brazil, Peru, Portugal, Spain, Canary Islands, France, South Africa, Maldives, Morocco. You know, why not with you guys? It's, it, it's just a matter of stepping forward and say, okay, guys, my name is, you know, look, and I want to do an event here. I have no clue how to do it. Can you guys help me? I have like the best will. I just need some guidance and they will, uh, they will help you, you know, they will be there for you and they, they will guide you because it's, it's, you know, I, I, I don't have the tools. This is not my expertise. I do the webcast, but I can tell you definitely if you approach them, you will find those those answers and and they will lead you. And I think you guys have to step forward because everyone wants it. And and I think the Australian bodyboarders are craving it. You guys deserve it. And I see all these big names doing different things and it's okay because they're currently parents or they older. But I'm pretty sure, man, if you do an event there, you will have everybody competing plus everybody from outside Australia. And it's going to be a mega event. You know, it's going to be a full success. So don't be afraid and step forward, contact them and they will lead you for sure. Sweet, sweet. Well, I know um, we've only spoken recently to Benny Oborn on the podcast and um, him and Nick Chandler uh, were running the ABA there for a long period of time. Uh, almost for eight or nine years until COVID hit. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm sure he's looking to – oh, my goodness, one second, sorry. Bloody hell, my computer, I linked to my phone. I can't stop this. <laughs> um, yeah, just back to Benny Oborn. He uh, is looking to get the ABA hopefully up and running in the next couple of years with some different specialty events. So I really feel like he'd be the guy – Hopefully, you know, I'm just putting his hand up voluntarily for him without even speaking to him, but, um, you know, putting his putting his hand up and, and making that happen because he's got so many good connections here in Australia and he's got the um, the reach, he's got the network, and he's also got the organisational skills to do so. But going, if I can um, pose a question to you, where would you like to see a comp held in Australia and what would be the ideal location for the IBC to get involved? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> well, I don't. Um, hmm. I don't know. That's a tricky one because I heard the Gold Coast is beautiful and uh, the weather is really good. But also, I think Newcastle has a uh, a lot to offer. But then, um, you know, Shark Island was there for. I mean, Shark Island is Newcastle's, right? No. No, no, no. So Shark Island's actually in my hometown in Cronulla. Right. Cronulla, right. So I think... There is actually uh, a similar way in Newcastle, but going, I, I won't mention the name of it because you probably have Garth McGregor knocking on my door straight away with a baseball <laughs> bat and a lot of knuckle dusters sorting me out. But yeah, there's a very good way there also, but you can't get them confused. Shark Island's definitely in Cronulla. Right, right. No, no, no. I, I think I had it right because I was trying to go from top to bottom but yeah um so yeah i don't know it's a it's a hard one it all depends man it depends on where the means are you know it you guys just you just have to because i see a lot of times i the, the times that i speak with aussies or even europeans from uh like friends and i don't i won't mention names but they're a bit skeptical or, or pessimist they will be saying oh, it's so hard, you know, that we need a lot of connections and a lot of things. And sometimes it's not really just that, no. I mean, it's uh, you just have to have the will, you know. You want to do it, you go and look for the people that will help you. You try to organize, you try to organize, uh, I mean, try to build it and, and it will happen, man, you know. so For sure, for sure. I definitely agree with you. The only thing I would say with that is, and – 
no um, malice in my comment at all. With, with the IBC organisational structure, you guys have so many cool people working from so many different various countries. I guess us kind of being in a, a bodyboarding recession, so to speak, where the rest of the world over COVID kind of boomed, you know, like Europe and South American countries all um, went crazy with bodyboarding. And Australia did too, but in a very more kind of free surfing way. Um, it's just hard with the IBC not having an Australian on the, and that's no fault of the IBC. This is not a, that's not pointing a negative comment at them. It's more so for us not having a person on the board or part of the organisational structure that can network easier. And that's, you know, something that we've got to look at and personally take a little bit of um, responsibility for ourselves because, you know, we haven't put ourselves out there. And you are right, you can just make an event happen if you really do have the people inside the sport who want to do it. It's just been, um, you know, roadblock after roadblock uh, with us uh, over here in Australia. There's a there's a, there's a weird attitude floating around at times that, um, you know, it's almost kooky in certain ways, to, which is ridiculous to constantly follow competitive bodyboarding. And sometimes you see some of the major brands here, i.e. drag and a couple of other ones, taking the piss out of competitive bodyboarding because... Um, it doesn't fit with their ethos or their culture because, you know, there's a there's a there's a real split in bodyboarding. I felt with the people who are dedicated to competition and obviously see it as a vital way forward. And I agree with that because any sport in the world, you need a competitive side to be, you know, shown to the to, to the rest of the sporting world to see to demonstrate how good bodyboarding is. And when you watch Grand Canaria and you watch Fronton and those finals held there, like. Um, not so much finals, but for the point score, it usually does come down to that. You can see why bodyboarding should be a world sport. But we're still in the dark ages here in, in, in Australia where there's that conflict and divide within the industry. Free surfing's cool, but doesn't really make money. Competition isn't cool mm. in our eyes currently, but does make money and actually gets more brands and businesses involved in the sport. So we're really kind of at a we're almost at wit's end at the moment and we're just trying to fight our way out of the darkness, so to speak. And we are getting there. This is why we are trying to do this podcast and, you know, there's a lot of other good people in the sport trying to push forward um, with, with making grassroots bodyboarding a thing here in Australia. But I, I just think if we had someone on the IBC who could have that connection, um, we'd probably be in a lot, a lot better place. I mean, step forward and... I promise you it won't be that that hard, man. And it's uh, just have to maybe just, I mean, if, if you are interested and you're listening and just get uh, get in touch with the former bodyboarders, you know, the big names, they might be willing to do something, you know. And don't really look in the bodyboarding industry because we know it's small and it's limited, you know. There is not too much money for the bodyboarding industry to actually support the full event. So it's got to be, for example, you guys have a lot of minery there, man. And in Chile, minery, the mines, they pay, they pay for almost all the events, you know. So that's the thing. That's the thing you guys can look for, like, context in, in this uh, industry, not in the bodyboarding industry. It's, uh, because we are small, you know. You can't – there is not enough money – Maybe, I don't know. I don't really know the numbers in the LC uh, industry, but I know I, I know the industry pretty well, but I will tell you that, you know, it, probably you're looking in the wrong place, you know. And, and Australia is such a stable country, man, and it's such a beautiful place, and the people, there's so many uh, qualified people, and you guys, there's so many bodyboarders, and I, it's just hard for me to believe that you guys cannot, um, find someone that support the sport. Sometimes, you know, there's people that support the events that doesn't even surf, you know, they love it. And they just want to, they, they say like, I love this thing and it's not even that expensive, you know? So I think you guys have to give it a shot and do not um, focus on saying this. You guys are in the dark times or nothing like that. You know, you guys are, a huge community for our sport, a very respected community, um, full of amazing uh, riders and amazing athletes and amazing people. And you guys have to, you know, keep trying 
especially you guys are doing a great job as well. It's great to see uh, Riptide uh, back and, 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 and it's great that you are, you know, interviewing so many people because you are getting a lot of uh, feedback from everybody, you know. So I think, I think you are in a good path. And just you know, do not give up, you know. And I try to find, you know. I think you're gonna find. Just start talking with the people, you know. Start talking with them, with everyone. Yeah. You know, you know everyone that it's a bodybuilder. Everyone like, hey, you do this. Maybe since you work in this industry, maybe you can talk to your boss, and maybe he knows someone in minery, and maybe someone would like to support. You have to build a budget first, and with that, that will be your Bible. With the budget, you go and okay, I need this amount of money, and this is what I. So with that, you know how much you need to ask for, and then you start knocking doors, man, and different doors, not bodybuilding doors sure. or surfing. Sure. No, I, I totally understand you, going, but I think Terry McKenna and Alex Leon was doing that with the APB for a while there, <laughs> and had some really good results. Um, but at the same time, I think our landscape here in Australia is a lot different to over in Chile, for example, because we're a much larger nation. We cover a lot more ground, so it's not like we can just um, hop up and down to different spots and, and you know, hold um, hold competitions willy-nilly just because of the logistics involved. And also, too, when it comes to mining, um, our mining sector doesn't care about bodyboarding because it doesn't really bring – like, them as in – as an investor, it doesn't bring anything back for them, so to speak. Our tourism sector, I'm sure, would be more of a targetable area just because um, the uh... – are, are you getting a drink? <laughs> oh, can you hear that? Damn. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's good. You've got to keep hydrated for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. But, yeah, I was just saying um... – <laughs> I was not having a drink. I was pouring one. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice, 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 nice. Um, yeah, so I, I guess, yeah, there's all things to work on, but I think our mining sector wouldn't be the most profitable one there. In like Chile, you guys obviously, um, like the bodyboarding. You know what I'm trying to say is bodyboarding is a is a is a, is a well recognised sport, and it's one of your national sports. It 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 it, it seems here in Australia. It seemed bodyboarding's taken as a child sport half the time, if you know what I mean. It's like you get a bodyboard when you're young, you stay in the whitewash, and then you progress to surfing and move on. I'm not saying that's the right way, but here in Australia, it's just a different landscape with that sort of um, with that sort of uh, way forward. So, yeah, we, we definitely do have to think of something, and I, I really hope we do because it'd be great to see, you know, Australia back competing on the world tour as such. I know we have individuals go over, like Liam Lucas and Marley Dan and a couple other guys have, have really put their f- hand up. But, I mean, to be able to get a, a viable financial structure going that will support our athletes and get them around the world, we've still got a, a long way to go. But enough of us whinging. Um, you know, 2022 was a huge IV, uh, year for the IBC and obviously like a breakthrough year after COVID. Can you just tell us um, your favourite moment and your least favorite moment of the year? Oh, last year. Oh my God. Espera, amor, te escucha todo en el podcast. Me lo está diciendo él. Sorry. I had to tell him. He was uh, he was fixing himself a tea, so. It's his hair, but I'm glad. Right. <laughs> okay, so um, favorite moments. Uh, God, there's so many. Um, it's so hard to pick. I guess um, I love to I love to see the Wahini event. Uh, there were 80 competitors. It was amazing to watch the masters. You have no idea how many Brazilian uh, female bodyboarders there is. There are. So many that we don't even know their names and they're so good and they are so passionate for bodyboarding. And I guess Wahine was one of my highlights. Uh, not for, I won't say like the event itself or anything. It's just, um, just being there present and seeing so many, so many women, you know, that bodyboards and love it. And uh, 
I mean, the Chilean events, uh, the South American leg was really, really impressive, I would say, to to have seven events like last year. And it was, for me, uh, uh, like um, a sign that definitely the sport moved to this side of the world. And it's, uh, me as a Latin, it, it feels feels nice, feels good. And Maldives was something really impressive, I have to say. And meeting all those Maldivian bodyboarders, I I have no clue that they were so good and there were so many. And Maldives is so beautiful. And moments as... as because I can't really... Um, I loved the, all the clinics and all the social events that the IVC held during the year because the thing about the IVC is not just going and doing going to an event and that's it. They do clinics, they they do social, um, they do technical uh, speeches as well, and I love to see that happening. I think that was a huge highlight, and it's happening more this year. And but the thing that I think impressed me the most was uh Maori in Arica. <laughs> I was so crazy, man. That 20, the way he won, the way he surfed Arica was really, really, really impressive. And yeah, and watching Isabella winning her fifth title and equal uh oh, the power. <laughs> That's a bad sign. <laughs> That's all right, though. Uh, done pretty well. We're an hour in. We've kept power the whole way, like soul of the whole way, mate. Worship the sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, there, there were so many. Uh, actually, watching Tristan, he was so, so nervous, and he worked so hard this year. Uh, also, watching Alan getting his, the best results of his career. Uh, ending third and being so close uh, for me uh, have knowing Alan for so long knowing how hard it has been for him and how much effort he has put in the sport it it was I mean he was so close man seriously and I knew for fa- I know for a fact that Tristan uh, counted him as a very strong uh, contender you know and he was so close, man. And yeah, I will say those. I mean, from the top of my head, because I, I if I start digging in, I guess there were so many good things happening. Itacuachara was really impressive as well. It was my first time there. And yeah, in the worst moment. It's probably not the worst. Sorry, I meant to rephrase that. You know, obviously one of the greatest moments of the IBC, which you've already mentioned many, and something you guys could learn on for this year and further years. Because, you know, you guys put on such a great show, but as every organisation knows, there's always room to improve. So more so something you'd like to see added or possibly implemented in the following years. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, there are so many things to improve, you know. That's a never-ending path, you know. We will never stop uh, learning and, and, and seeking for improvement. But mm, I, um, in my job, I guess, I, I don't know, I will, I, <laughs> this is a tricky one. I, I guess in the, in the webcast, in the booth, I would like to have a, um, like I always a stable uh, system, but then again, that's something that it's not up to us. You know, it depends on the organizers. And when we get to the different, every country has different rules and different uh, ways. And so it's not really up to us, but I guess, um, yeah. But there, I, I guess, I guess that would be that. Yeah. Getting. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Well, Vago, man, I don't want to keep any longer. You've given up an hour of your time, especially on free, clean energy. So I, I really appreciate it. You've covered so many cool topics. And, um, you know, I just want to congratulate the IBC and yourself for an amazing broadcast and um, event schedule last year. And, you know, 2023 is looking bigger and better than ever. So um, onwards and upwards. And I can't wait to watch you, um, you know, 
commentate some heats this year and, and crown some champions. So thank you so much for your time and thanks for coming on Luke's Lounge. Thank you, Luke, and congratulations to you guys because you're doing a great job and we are counting on your on you on the um, uh, I mean um, yeah to be tuning in for the events and whoever wants to send uh regards I will be there for uh shouting out. <laughs> Happy days. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to join the chat and we'll, we'll definitely get some shout outs going on YouTube. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I will be waiting for you guys. Thank you, Luke. Thank you so much. We, right. I hope to see you sometime in person and maybe, who knows, maybe you come and compete or come and join us to one or two events. That would be great. Oh, mate, I would love to. If I didn't have a barb and another one, um, maybe on the way, <laughs> we'll, uh, I, I might have some more free time. Maybe. Hopefully in the future, hopefully in the future, I'd, I'd love to get over and do a, a world tour comp. Um, yeah, like it's just something cool, really cool to be a part of and, and just have the hype and, and just to have the competitive juices flowing once again. Yeah, and love to meet you in person. That that definitely needs to happen. <laughs> We've had too many conversations <laughs> online without a physical meeting. So, yeah, it'll be, I look forward to that moment, Berger. Thanks a lot, Luke, and best for all your projects this year. Cheers, man. You too. Okay, well. It was all a pipe dream. Watching bodyboarding up on TV. Deep at reef, watching tension repeats. Eating bakery feeds at 18. Living the dream with no sunscreen. Yeah, we were so keen. Surfing Aussie pipe. Buying Riptide. Eating shit.